Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. Uh, we had fantastic shows on Monday and Tuesday. Great dialogue, amazing guests, perfect flow, unbelievable rhythm, everything you could want in a show. And uh, we all resonate with one another. You know, it's uh, just the way we, the way we, uh, we work together. It's unreal. You know, it's, it's a fun show. It's uh, getting better and better every episode. And we've got so much planned for the future of this network. I hope you all are having a good Thursday and a good week. The weekend is approaching, which is always a huge relief and a, a great feeling. Um, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You are all incredible. The show is listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed me past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, Visit my media site, TheNextNEXGENUSA.com. Also remember, starting in three weeks, two to three weeks, I will be uh, broadcasting um, on a national political radio station that will be reaching millions of people. You'll be able to hear me in your car on AM radio all across the country. So I'm very excited for that opportunity. Um, I also want to mention, in about a month or two, Closer to two months, we will be releasing that brand new 24-7 media network that I was telling you about earlier on this week, and I've been talking about it for a few weeks. Uh, we'll be having many notable people doing their own shows, as well as my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and Director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Both of those guys will be the main faces of the network. So we're raising a lot of money for this. We're going to do it the right way. We want it to live to its highest potential and highest degree. And um, it's perfect. It really is. It's um, very creative, what, uh, what we're putting together. A lot to get into tonight, everybody. There's been a lot, a lot going on in the media uh, these last couple days. We are going to get right into it. Uh, I would like to welcome to the show activists and political strategist, Eddie, Eddie Frank. Eddie, how are you? I'm doing good. Good to have you here, man. I uh, also would like to welcome to the show, I believe we have him with us, former White House speechwriter, heritage policy analyst, and co-founder of the National Tea Party Movement, Michael Johns. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Good, man. Great to have you here. Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. That is a great song. It is. Love that song, man. <laughs> few people know who doesn't. I do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I also would like to welcome popular talk show host and activist, Chris Sella. Chris, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Great to have you here, my friend. All right, everybody. We, we got a lot to get into. Um, you know, like, like I do... Uh, when I haven't been on in a couple of days, I want to come on and just read a few headlines that have happened just to catch everybody up, and then um, I want to get into the main story. But just in these past couple of days, there's been some amazing stuff that has came out. Um, to name a few, President Trump has increased funds for black colleges 
by 17%. That is, that's on record by the most of any president ever. Think about what he's done for the black community. Lowest black unemployment ever. Low, 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 I mean, they're in the lowest poverty they've ever been in. They've got more money for colleges than ever. And meanwhile, you have Democrats trying to say how oppressed they are. It's ridiculous. This is amazing, the times we are living in. Um, it was announced today that Trump officials might consider moving the whole L.A. homelessness uh, to an FAA facility. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, we see what's going on in California right now with the homeless crisis, with that epidemic. It doesn't end. It's especially uh, getting worse in places like L.A. and San Fran. And, you know, notice how places with homeless epidemics are run by liberals. Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, all run by liberals. There's a pattern here. I mean, Trump, Trump wants to help this crisis. Trump wants to get these people off the street. Trump wants to make a difference. This is a really bad thing going on right now. Like, you know, everybody knows that I'm from Seattle. I've, I've lived in Arizona for about seven years now, but I'm originally from Seattle. And I don't even recognize my home city because of all the feces on the ground, the tents, the needles in downtown, homeless people everywhere. Seattle is the same sort of scenario as Los Angeles. And, you know, it's good that the Trump administration is stepping up to this situation because think about it. The Democrats in these cities are not dealing with it. They're just enabling it and adding more to it so they can create more of a problem so they can say they have a solution. I mean, it's a textbook with these people. These people are out of this world evil. They are. Uh, in the last couple of days, ISIS smashed were smashed by 80,000 pounds of U.S. bombs. I'm sure you guys all saw that video that came out yesterday overseas. Uh, we, we are destroying ISIS. Don't forget, they're about 99.9% destroyed, and that's all because of Trump. There's only a very, very slim amount remaining. More headlines here. Experts are predicting that 25% of colleges will close in the next 20 years. Good. I hope they do. Colleges these days, for the most part, are a disease. They're a cesspool. I'd say 80% of them. You know why? Because the teachers are socialists. They are teaching people all the wrong things. Parents are wasting all this money on tu tuition, and these students are getting indoctrinated with bullshit, lies, crap third world ideology. It is not healthy. We're seeing more people now these, these days, I mean, I wouldn't say more, but just as many that don't go to college and are just as successful, especially with how evolved technology is. You can make so much money uh, in so many different industries, real estate. I mean, there's so many options now uh, that where people don't have to go to college and experience this kind of crap with, with these lectures from these professors. You know, and I've said for so long, politics needs to stay out of these universities. It's a problem. It's a dirty, dirty epidemic, and it doesn't stop. And the whole war on free speech, the, the war on white people, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. And, and something needs to change. You know, this is, it, it's, it's unacceptable. 
Um, the, this is very sick stuff, and this, this came out the other day, but it's not like we didn't know this. The abortion industry has admitted to trafficking aborted baby body parts in the, in the Planned, Pan, Planned Parenthood video that was released. So they are admitting to having this as a huge market with selling these parts for profit. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Anybody that condones Planned Parenthood after all this stuff that came out should be ashamed of them, should be ashamed of themselves. This is immoral. It's un-American. Yeah, there's every word in the book of evil for it. It's sick. We are dealing with craziness. Another thing that's really bothering me right now, you have a gap plus 143 other businesses that are pressing Congress for gun control. First it was Walmart, then it was Kroger, then it was Walgreens, and then I, I called it on this program a couple weeks ago. You watch. All these businesses are going to monkey see, monkey do. They're going to follow the footsteps of these other businesses, and look what happened. It's starting. The, 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 the communism tactics are starting. They want to leave the good guys defenseless, and they want to put us in a war. These people are ridiculous. Good news at the border. Border migrant numbers have dropped by 22% uh, to 64,000 in August. We've dropped to 22%. That's, you know, believe it or not, guys, that's pretty significant. That's pretty significant. If you go look at what was coming in compared to what now, uh, we're, it's looking good. Um, another week and another ratings collapse for CNN and MSNBC. CNN ratings went down by 26%. MSNBC went down by like 31%. So, I mean, if, if, this, if that's any indication that more and more people are waking up, I mean, this, this, is a, this is really a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, black poverty hits the lowest record ever, like I said earlier, under President Trump. And... Um, you know, I wanted to mention this as well, and this is sick stuff. You know, God bless, and I pray for all the victims yesterday and their families on 9-11, but there were articles out yesterday saying loopholes used by the 9-11 hijackers are still open with 6 million visas overstayed in the U.S. You still have people that are overstaying their visas and living the same way that these terrorists did before they committed these acts. That's really scary. And think how crazy this is. The four co-conspirators still awaiting trial are still awaiting trial 18 years later for the 9-11 incident. You have the people that were planning it, that were behind it, 18 years later, and they're still not in court. I mean, our government really has to get control and, and speed up things. And there's no reason why guys should be on death row for 20 years and wasting taxpayer dollars. I mean, the, the system is so broken and so messed up and it needs to be fixed, I mean, among so many other things in our society. I mean, come on. This stuff is not being called out enough. It's ridiculous. Um, so, you know, those were obviously some important headlines that I wanted to get off my chest, and we'll get more into some of them later, but I want to go with the main headline tonight, which is, the debates, the Democratic debate, the clown show, the circuit, the, the amateur hour, these people are absolutely off their rocker. They are insane. They are lunatics. They are delusional. Any word you want to give them, they are. Then they're pigs. 
frankly, they're slobs, they're pigs. What they're trying to spew. They're trying to divide us racially. They're trying to do what they always do every election, put blacks in boxes, put Hispanics in boxes, Asians, gays, lesbians, trannies. They're putting them all in boxes, trying to claim oppression, trying to spit this entire narrative that white supremacy is the worst it's ever been right now in America. Really? Because I don't really see it. I see the most racist people in America are black liberals, quite frankly. The war on white people right now is the worst it's ever been. You know, and like I said many times on the show, the racial divide is not nearly to the extent that the media reports it. There's no way. I don't see it. I mean, are there people in our party that are racist in the Republican Party? I'm sure there are, but I don't see it. I see it all the time from the Democrats. And you know what's funny? You know what happens in life? Usually when you're guilty of something, you try to blame the, the other, other person for it. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're blaming the Republicans for what their part, for what the Democrats are actually guilty for. And think about these, all these communism tactics and this communism agenda. They are pushing open borders. Get rid of your guns. Higher taxes. Free health care for all. Free health care for illegals. You know, it, 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 you know and, and killing babies at nine months. You know, saying climate change is the worst problem on earth. The way they, they uh, you know, exaggerate and, and fabricate climate change is sad. Because and it, it's so wrong and it's misleading. The climate has been naturally changing for millions of years. It's just the way the earth is. Or ever since the earth has been in existence. I, you know, I, I, who knows how long. I mean, it's been around for a long time. But it's always been changing. There's no special label for it. And what the hell are you guys going to do? You guys say, are saying you're going to raise trillions of dollars to combat and fight climate change. What are you going to do? Throw shit up in the sky? I'm confused. What are you really going to do? First of all, the problem's not there, so you're just going to be wasting taxpayer dollars. Again, and these these programs with getting rid, you know, it's taking away insurance from people that already have it, trying to get free education for all, erasing student debt. Who's going to pay for that? Taxpayers? You guys are ridiculous. You want to release criminals from prison, felons, evil ones, and let them vote? Bernie, you want the Boston bomber to vote, you said. You said he should have the right to vote. You guys are insane. And I, I, the $15 minimum wage, stop saying it. Just stop. All that does is it lays off more people and because it lays off more people and it loses people work because owners want to profit as much as possible. There, this isn't a society of, get, you know, you have to earn it. People aren't just going to give handouts. You know, it's just it's all this stuff. It, it, it's in six. And the slavery reparations. Give me a break. And the tearing down statues and saying how racist Trump supporters are. 
and you guys want to raise Social Security when we don't even we don't even know if Social Security will be around in ten to twenty years. It already has enough problems. And Medicare, really, Medicare for all—that's cattle call. That's like sitting around like Southwest Airlines or the DMV, and they already have their own problems too. And you guys want to get rid of meat? You want to get rid of cows? You want to get rid of fossil fuels? You want to do a bullshit carbon tax? Get out of here. Oh, this Green New Deal? Really? Really? Jesus Christ. You guys are insane. You really are. And on this debate stage tonight, it's a clown show. And all the, the typical politicians. Um, Eddie, let's start with you, though. Go ahead. Well, honestly, uh, yeah, I was watching the debate like two hours ago. And obviously when they open their mouths, I couldn't stop laughing every time. I always laugh every time they have to open their mouths, spewing some BS about this policy, that policy. But, um, I mean, regarding, like, healthcare, for instance, I mean, when you got somebody, like, when you got, like, a trio, like, when you got Kamal Harris and Sanders and uh, Biden, like, they kept skirting away, like, questions regarding uh, healthcare and war the solutions. I mean, these people are just regurgitating these uh, talking points that, oh, first they start off with this um, soft story that, yes, these families are losing, these families are, are unsure something, yada, 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 and then all of a sudden, um, but they don't even come up with solutions at all. And then you got Beto. Beto, I mean, he explicitly said that he wants to take away your AR-15 because, because for some reason during the, after that old that El Paso and the Odessa shooting, he says, yes, I want to take away your AR-15s and your AK-47s. I'm like, these people are complete lunatics. I mean, I'm telling you, there's no – there are no moderates. There, there is no middle ground at all. These people, no. I mean, they're this close. There's this close to reaching communism, and it's just like the yeah, Trump. Bash. I mean, there's I mean, no there's no Trump JFK. Bash. There's no JFK anymore. Democrat. There's no Joe Lieberman. Democrats. There's no. I mean, you know, they don't have people like Joe Manchin running. I mean, it, you're right. There is no middle ground. Yeah. Go ahead, though. And, Continue. And, like a, oh no, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, um. During the debate, like like I said, uh, with this whole debate that I that I saw regarding health care, regarding guns, regarding immigration, um, I mean, come on. And even there – well, yeah, immigration was like this thing of, well, we have to legalize um, DACA. I, these people – we need to have citizenship already. I mean, come on. We can't just – we can't just import millions and millions of people – and just come here legally. I mean, come on. That honestly, there has to be a merit system. There has to be a merit system. But for some reason, these Democrats, the reason they want illegals to have automatic citizenship, are the votes. They just want the votes. Yeah. Oh, it's true. And they want power. They'll say and they'll do anything for power. You know, it's absolutely. I mean, I I have never seen hostility or extremism to this level. Have you? Uh, yes, um, never have I seen this 
I mean, to a point where, I mean, like I said, these these people are, are kind of acting like communists. I mean, they're very radical. I, I mean, to a point where they're already there's like ten AOCs uh, on the panel. Like there's two ten AOCs that are regurgitating all these talking points. And I I, I want to go. Hey, speaking of AOC, speaking of the Green New Deal, um, I want to shift top uh, topics regarding that. Uh, prior to the whole debate, um, we did you get to see the stunt that this person did from Greenpeace? Uh, she basically disrupted the this whole thing of the Clinton channel uh, over there. And um, I mean, like, come on! But this, but fortunately, there's a plane that obviously where Trump, the Trump campaign finally trolled these socialists, these socialist elites. <laughs> That was the best comeback yeah. ever. No, it's true. It's true, you know, and it, it really is one of those things we're dealing with. I mean, we're we're in a in a weird time, I will say. Um, let's go to Michael Johns. Go ahead, former speech house White House speech speechwriter. Go ahead. Well, he's a good number of opinions there. I um, I generally am with you on all of them. I think. You know, the easiest thing, you know, and you've, many of the things you said have been said, I think, by many of us and for a long period of time. The thing to keep in mind prominently is that ultimately it's much easier for us to blame our political opponents than to take responsibilities ourselves. And I am of the belief that in all fairness, many of these issues that have arisen have been a part of political disengagement by people on our side for quite some time. Our colleges didn't just miraculously one day wake up in the hands of, of left-wing socialist-oriented uh, academia. Our media didn't just one day wake up in the hands of people of similar mindset. Uh, our political institutions and and influence sectors didn't just wake up one day and, and were commandeered by them. This has been in many ways as much of a failure on our side as it has been a success on their side, and in many respects a colossal one because the American people are with us. They are not with this other side. They consider that an alien ideology. They are not falling over themselves to embrace it, even if they have won over a good number of uh, young people with the, the fact that they've monopolized debate for so long o- along those lines. So I think you know we are at a critical juncture in history. We always say that the fourth um, W election is the most important one in the in the history of, of of our country, and that almost you know inevitably is the case because every one of these elections is important. Clear cut question. Between a president, between a president who has largely proven quite successful so far, much more to do, but quite successful so far, and a Democratic Party that, by and large, has embraced an ideology that we more or less spent, um, you know, decades opposing uh, in in the Cold War. And that our a country that was founded really almost as an antithesis to that ideology. So those are all crucially important points. But I think it's too easy for us to say, you know, look at the outrageousness of the other side. We also have to say to ourselves, 
how is it that we allowed these foundational institutions of American democracy to be taken over by the far left? And that means all of us have and take responsibility. And by the way, in that, I include Washington-based conservative institutions. You know, billions of dollars have flown in from conservative donors to these institutions over the decades, and I've worked with a few of them. But by and large, all of this advancement happened on their watch. And I think one of the great reasons I flocked immediately to the Tea Party movement and have been proud of a leadership role in that is that the American people took these responsibilities in some ways even more seriously than the Washington institutions that were so well-funded to counter them in the sense that they were better prepared to organize, better prepared to commit time, more selfless in the way they approached it. All of that, I think, is crucially important at this juncture and is part of the recipe to ensuring that this great president get another four years. But you tackled a good number of topics there. I'm not sure I addressed any or even all of them specifically. I'd be happy to, though. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with everything you say. And, uh, you know, we are living in a weird time. We we really are. It's a, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're dealing with so much. Yeah, you know, and it gets to the, the it gets to something that sometimes we're a little uncomfortable addressing, and that is that you know, in, like in my case, I was a day one endorser of President Trump, and I took enormous heat throughout that entire primary uh, from conservatives who felt Trump was not a legitimate conservative, from you know, moderates who felt that he was. Uh, a recipe for disaster. I can remember being on uh, Megan McKelly with, uh, I mean, I was handing the White House to Hillary Clinton, all of these things. None of these people were ever held accountable for what they said. We've turned out to have a president who's done a very exceptional job. But, you know, quite honestly, this administration, you know, and the grassroots conservatives who support him have to be insistent that this administration is staffed by individuals who are aligned with his agenda. And while I could go on for two hours about the accomplishments of this great man over the last uh, several years, one of the deficiencies has been that the swamp still has their daggers into Washington, D.C. They still have largely control over these influential institutions. And the draining it really means some substantial overhaul. And I am of the fun, fun belief that's not necessarily President Trump's fault, but we have right. to be more insistent on calling right. out the sorts of changes that we need to do. Because it's, having worked in Washington and having worked in grassroots activism, they're two completely different worlds. You know, there's limitations to what you can say and do within D.C., out in the grassroots, we need to be insistent that this agenda that President Trump so brilliantly put forward in the 2015 and 16 election, remember it was really two years, um, be enacted. And that means that there be persons in this administration that are aligned with this administration and that, are, that we're clearing out these institutions, not merely – um, denigrating the uh, 
bureaucratics, the bureaucrats that posing and, and perpetuating policies with which the vast majority of Americans continue to disagree. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, Chris Stella, go ahead. Your thoughts on everything. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Andrew Yang, on his opening statement, said he wants to give each American $12,000. And that even drew a laugh from the Democrats. But in reality, I mean, that's what the Democrats want to do through uh, social welfare programs and whatnot is have Americans so, uh, you know, like latched on to the government like parasites and just suck uh, suck our economy dry. And um, it's, it's just this bizarre phenomenon of just wanting to give, 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 give. You know, tax the rich as much as we need to, but give away health care, give away college tuition, give away housing. Um, and it's it's just really um, scary if, you know, if, God forbid, if one of these people gets elected, like a Bernie Sanders, Liz Warren, and, and there really are no moderates. I mean, all these people really, uh, if they were elected, probably would be facing the same doom, um, except maybe Joe Biden, because he be probably have the 25th amendment and vote uh, within the first week of him being in office. But, um, uh, you know, I thought that um, also, and, you know, and, you know, they're pinning, uh, you know, you would think, you know, if you watch CNN and you watch the debates that we are living in, you know, like 1950s America. And when, when yeah. in reality, as you stated before, um, black poverty as it is the lowest that it's ever been, it's ever been. And, under Trump, and will you hear that from the mainstream media? Of course not, because that will go against their this, uh, dystopian view of America. This, you know, it's 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 Orwellian. It's bizarre. It's it's. Just, I don't understand why they just want to destroy our country. I mean, they, they I just because they just despise it. Uh, but yeah, um, it's really it's a terrible thing, and they're all yeah. And it, it was like a you know I, somebody put it really well. Uh, it's like a circle, circular firing squad, and Joe Biden was kind of in the middle because he's um, you know he's the one in the lead. I, I can't imagine why. I mean, the only reason Joe Biden would be in the lead is because um, maybe people find him amusing. They find his gaffes and things and whatnot amusing, and they want to see uh, you know how far he can go. Um, but other than that, I mean. And, you know, I didn't hear much talk about, you know, uh, the opioid crisis, which, you know, affected me. I was addicted to opiates for eight years, um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's a very serious problem, especially with, you know, the heroin that's being laced with fentanyl. It's coming across our southern border, but the Democrats want to open, just keep our borders open so they can allow, you know, drugs and gangbangers to flow into our country. And, um, and it's killing, it killed, I think, 80,000 people last year, something like that. Um, um, this is an epidemic, and, and the Trump administration, you know, um, is going on about banning flavored uh, e-cigarettes, uh, you know, and, you know, it's like, you know, I just, you know, I, I found that article really irritating, and one, because I do vape, but two, because, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I think there are bigger issues we should be focusing on than that, and the opioid crisis is one of them, and I don't hear much talk on the left about any comprehensive solutions about anything like that. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I don't hear as much as I would like to from the, from the conservative right either, but, you know, there, there are a lot of groups forming and they're mainly conservative groups that are forming to, um, that are trying to fight, uh, fight the opioid crisis. 
Um, yeah, so, yeah, right. those were my main takeaways. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100%. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I do, I do want to uh, welcome to the show a uh, very, uh, very popular guy. He's doing a lot of big stuff right now, and I want him to come on for a few minutes just to promote his big event. Uh, President of Constitutional Rights Pack and founder of GunsAndGod.com, Larry Ward. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, Larry. Pleasure to have you here. Um, real quick, I'm sure you've uh, been listening a little bit. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the debates tonight, the clown show? Oh, I can't watch it. I know what they're going to say. Uh, you know, they're going to say, uh, you know, climate change is going to kill us, but, uh, you know, we need to take your guns and, and uh, you got to stop eating, uh, stop eating beef. You know, it's pretty much <laughs> that in a nutshell. And we're going to tax the heck out of you. I mean, it's pretty pretty standard stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Very well said. Uh, and uh, Larry, uh, <laughs> your first time on the show, I only got a few minutes with you, and then I'm definitely going to have you back probably next week or the week after because I want to talk to you quite a bit. But uh, you're here for a few minutes and uh, promoting your big event this week. Uh, but please tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh, definitely promote your event. Sure. Well, here's here's what happened. Uh, uh, in 2012, um, my office was between the NRA office and the uh, RNC. And coming from the RNC to the NRA office were the gun control nuts two days after the Newtown shooting. And they were screaming, shame the NRA. There's about 200 of them, paid protesters. And as they're walking down the street, I opened up my third-story window, threw my arms out, and screamed, arm the teachers. By the way, that's where that comes from. Um, arm the principles. And as as uh, as I'm looking down, there's about 40 cameras pointed up at us. And uh, so I was like, "Wow, I'm in for a penny and for a pound. I might as well make the evening news. I'm going to go down and take take on the protesters." And we did. And uh, shortly thereafter, I went to every single uh, member of Congress I knew and Republican member and started letting them know that, "Hey, look, they're going to they're going to use this tragedy to come after." guns and they're going to push gun control like we've never seen before and every Republican member that I spoke to with the exception of Louis Gilmert who's awesome uh, put his head down and, and said well you know what are we going to do we're going to have to do take some sort of gun control 22 kids died and I, I, I after being disgusted uh, with those responses I said you know enough is enough we have to do something as the left always likes to say we have to do something to protect our second amendment and uh, so what we did is we called for the first National Gun Appreciation Day, and we turned out about 500,000 people on January 19, 2013, and uh, changed the conversation from, from gun control to gun rights and uh, handed Obama and Biden their, really, their only loss at that point uh, and, and uh, basically helped preserve our Second Amendment. Very proud of that moment. Uh, fast forward a couple of weeks ago, there was a, the dual shooting. And, uh, and and all of a sudden, the Republicans are in the same position. Oh, we have to do something to uh, uh, to to prevent these tragedies. So that means we got to take guns out of uh, law-abiding citizens' hands, and uh, you know maybe erect some more gun-free zones, because of course, you know n- nothing nothing stops a mass shooter like a gun-free zone. You know it it it, uh, it occurred to me the other day that. The gun-free zones is a minuscule percentage 
of the landmass of the United States, but 90-something percent of all mass shootings happen at gun-free zones. So, um, so we said, you know, we have to do it again. We have to go out and we have to fight for the Second Amendment again. But instead of just going out with a gun appreciation day, part two, um, I started really thinking and it really weighed on my, my, my heart to say, hey, look, we have to figure out a way to solve the problem. And the problem is these kids going on murderous rampages looking to kill people. Why are they doing that? What is the root cause? And it kept, it kept coming back to the same thing. We've, we've not only erected too many gun-free zones, but we've erected too many God-free zones. And we, are stiff, we have stiff-armed our creator over the last 30 years. Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have essentially pulled uh, God from the public uh, schools, pulled God from the public square. You can't even have uh, offer your thoughts and prayers after a tragedy uh, in any kind of polite company. So it, it's, it's, uh, we have to return our nation to one nation under God. And we have to start talking about God more and, and about faith. And, and, you know, quite frankly, you don't even have to be religious to understand that a good, healthy fear of our, of our creator is, is good for society. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I really love your insight and, uh, you know, what <clears throat> everything you just said, it's, uh, very enlightening. And, um, you know, I, I, um, I could, you know, I could spend hours with you talking to you, and I'm definitely going to bring you back because there's a lot I definitely want to get into with you. But uh, please tell everybody uh, about your pack and also about uh, GunsAndGods.com. Guns and God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go to GunsAndGods.com. Sign the petition right now. We've got 12,000 people signed. Uh, the deplorable choir, uh, uh, country singers who uh, are pro-Trump and uh, just wrote a song about Guns and God. Go check it out. It's on the site. But sign the petition. Share share the uh, share the movement. And and on Saturday, this Saturday coming up, just go to your go out to shoot a few rounds at the shooting range. Go to your gun store. Um, you know, go go to the state capitol. Call your member of Congress. Just appreciate the Second Amendment, and, and also take a moment to appreciate God and 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 bring and pray that our country will turn to Him in these times and, and uh, help, help heal our nation and our kids. Because what we've done is we've really, we've replaced God. Uh, we've tried to, we've tried to replace God with, with uh, behavioral modif- modif- modifying drugs and psychotropic drugs with these kids. And you're seeing the result of it. Right. You're absolutely right. And um, what, uh, tell everybody about your pack, how, how that works, what you're doing, what you're doing with that. You're, you're the president of Constitutional Rights Pact. Absolutely, we support uh, we support good constitutional candidates. There's not many, so we support them very strongly. Um, a candidate running in Maine this year, uh, Maine Second District, uh, Eric Brakey, he's a great candidate. We support like Willie Gilmert, and and uh, um, hoping uh, Paul Brown comes back to uh, public uh, public life. So so there's lots of good candidates out there. Lots of good. Um, members of Con- a few good members of Congress, I shouldn't say lots, a few good members of Congress like Thomas Massey we support. Uh, we also work with, uh, you know, work to um, create political action, you know, like, like we're doing right now with Guns and God. We also hosted right. in 2013 the Million Veterans March at the World War II Memorials when they 
when they uh, put those barricades up and kept our World War II veterans out of their own memorial, we hosted that event and tore the barricades down and threw them back at the White House physically, and it was a great day. I love it. I really love it. And um, i got to go to commercial in about a minute. Um, I'm definitely going to have you back probably next week or the week after. I want to talk to you for quite some time. Um, I've got a lot to ask you, which is why I want to probably give you like 45 minutes the next time you come on. Uh, but please, please tell everybody before you go about, about this special day tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it, on, on uh, Saturday, September 14th. Oh, Saturday. My bad. Go out. Yeah, that's okay. Go go out to like I said, go out and celebrate the Second Amendment. Make sure you call your member of Congress. That's very important. They got to know where where the American people stand on this. They got to know they're going to pay a severe price, and the president too. You know, these red flag laws are are un, not only unconstitutional, um, but here, here's here's the other part that nobody talks about is uh, you know, red flag laws put wedges right between uh, people who need help. And right. and uh, their doctors. If you're if you're a uh, if you're a, P, a veteran who's coming back with PTSD and you want to go talk to a doctor, um, right. and, and but you don't want to give up your guns, what's going to happen? You're not going to go to the doctor. You don't go to the doctor. Now we now you're making the problem worse. And yep. you know, quite frankly, you're making the problem worse with people who who have guns. So it's having the exact opposite of impact that you, that these these left leftist uh, weirdos want to want to want to have you're right you're absolutely right and um you know i think this is something that you know obviously our guns and is our is our right you know and we have to we have to cherish this we have to you know celebrate our rights and basically make sure that nothing ever happens to them absolutely not only for us but for our future future generations Absolutely, absolutely. And where where can people connect with you and get in touch with you and all that good stuff? Social media, all that stuff. Uh, you can go right to Constitutional Rights Pack, but for right now, go to go to gunsandgod.com and and sign that petition. It's very important. Perfect. Well, a real pleasure, and I'll definitely have you on in about a week or two, and we'll talk for a long time. Sounds good. Thanks, Rory. All righty. Thank thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. Every, we'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Roger Simon, the founder of PJ Media. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's. The home of Endless Apps. Endless Apps, every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial.
packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next, N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N, USA, dot com. Also remember, in about two to three weeks, I will be on a big national political radio network. Uh, we will, I'll be listening to in the car, AM radio, reaching millions of people all across the country. So I cannot wait to share that with all of you. And also remember, in about a month and a half to two – in about a month and a half to two months, we will be releasing the new 24-7 network with many notable names doing their own shows, TV and radio. Um, my good friend, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Both of those guys will be the main faces of the network. So, And we're raising a lot of money for that project. So really exciting to share that with all of you. Uh, we have a huge guest on right now, a uh, real pleasure. Um, making sure he's with us. We have popular columnist, best-selling author, and the founder of PJ Media, Roger Simon. Roger, welcome to the show. Uh, pleased to be here. Just having watched the Democratic debate, I need to calm down a little. <laughs> Roger, we were. I was watching it earlier, and I was. That was like my opening segment where we were talking about it. I want to get your thoughts. What do you think of the clown show? You know, it's really getting boring. That's the sad part about it. The only one who slightly interests me is Yang, <laughs> because half the time he yeah. sounds like a Republican. And the other thing is, he's the only one who seems like he's awake. The rest of them, it seems like you're watching a zombie show. They're all repeating the same stuff again and again. And, again. and you're going, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's, it's kind of strange. You know, I used to be a Democrat many years ago. And it was a different party, you know, the, the old Reagan line yeah. about how how the party left me and all that stuff. Well, I think this time it's sort of gone over the falls and down the river. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's no JFK Democrat anymore. There's no Bill Clinton Democrat. There's no Joe Lieberman. There, there's none of these middle ground. It's, it's so far left. And I will tell you who I really like. Is Tulsi? I really like Tulsi Gabbard. You know, I I think she. Yeah. Huh? Go ahead. Yeah, but she's gone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know what? My like, you know, I'm not a Democrat. I'm obviously a Republican. But my dream Democrat ticket 
would be Tulsi Gabbard and Joe Manchin. I would love to have those two. One is the main president and one is the vice. I think they would bring the moderate level to the back to the Democratic Party like never seen before. Yeah, but there's no Democratic Party like that anymore. It doesn't exist. So, you know, I know. in the dreams of blog talk radio, it's not uh, it's not the real world anymore. That's not it. So that's what it is. Uh, yeah. no, you know, we just have right. to hope. We just have to hope that Trump wins, and that's all. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, you know, it, it's. Do you ever? You know, do you ever see the Democratic Party uh, getting back to middle ground, or do you think it'll be left for the rest of the time? Uh, I'm not Nostradamus, and neither was Nostradamus. Hey, people talk about Nostradamus, but if you look it up, he made a lot of mistakes. But the other thing, the other thing is that. Uh, you know, I can predict certain things. I, I, I'll, I'll predict that I think Elizabeth Warren is going to be their nominee. Yeah. I'm pretty certain. Yeah. And uh, and that she's going to give Trump a hard time because um, there are a lot of uh, female idiots women. out there who are going to vote for her because she's a woman, which is, of course, sexist yeah. to do that. But that's what's going to happen. But, you know, I think Trump will win if the economy holds. Do you think – now let me ask you this, and then I want to obviously ask you a lot about yourself, but do you think that Elizabeth Warren will get more votes than Hillary Clinton did in 2016? More votes? Uh, yeah. If she does, she'll be the president. Well, I shouldn't say more votes. I, I want to say as. Do you think as many? Do you think she'll be, be as popular of a candidate as Hillary was for the Democrats, or not, not, not quite? Yeah, I think not quite just because of the economy. If the economy continues to roar, and I think that Trump will make a deal with China, which is going to make the stock market go crazy. And he has a lot of that in his control. So, you know, the Democrats will say he came to China. These are all predictions that I'm giving you. But, uh, you know, it'll be somewhere in between because – Trump is realistic, and he realizes he wants to get reelected, and he wants that economy to be humming. So that's where we are. So that's why I think I think that's where Warren will run into trouble because she'll go whining about the you know middle class being poor and all that stuff, and everybody will think it's BS. So yeah, I think no, Trump. Well, will I agree. No, I agree. I think she'll be the nominee. I agree with what you're saying. And- I, w- I want to ask you, you know, your first time on the show, you're a very fascinating guy. You've had quite the career. Uh, tell everybody about yourself. Tell, tell us, give us a little bio. Like them, all my guests come on. I like to have them for the, for right. the first time. I like to, uh, yeah, go ahead. And then I'll come up at the end to tell everybody in your audience about my new book, which they got to run out and buy because it's really funny. Uh, Perfect. Besides the, fact that it's got, besides the fact that it's got a good message that your audience will like. But, uh, you know, I'm uh, a man in the 70s who used to be a, about a, as left-wing a Hollywood liberal as, as you know about, but back in the old days. And uh, I grew up in New York, and I went to Hollywood when I was very young and had a pretty good career when I was young and made a lot of money and was guilty. <laughs> so I gave it to the Black Panther Party to give you an idea how left-wing I was. Um, but, you know, but over the years, I started to wake up, not in the woke sense of today, but in the real sense. And I um, 
But by the time 9-11 rolled around, I was already moving on to the right. And then I got involved with blogging, and I was one of the first to do it. And I um, started PJ Media with Glenn Reynolds and a bunch of other people. It was then called Pajamas Media. And I was... Uh, I, I, by accident, became the CEO and ran the whole thing for seven years. Now I'm the CEO emeritus, whatever that means. Uh, but it gives me more time to write, which is what I really like to do. And then along the way, I got nominated for an Academy Award in screenwriting. But the, I, I can't work in Hollywood anymore because they think I'm too much of a right-wing nut. They, they, they won't employ people who are to the right of Trotsky. Jesus. So, I mean, well, keep going. You're telling some great stuff. I love it. You know, anyway, uh, uh, so I lately I've been, you know, writing for BJ Media and Epic Times and Real Clear Politics. This great review on the Real Clear books of my new book today just came out. The, the title of, of the book is The Goat. It's a novel, and it's not a goat as in Billy Goat Gruff. It's the goat as in the greatest of all time, G-O-A-T, which is a big big thing in sports, as people know. Uh, and the sport in the goat is tennis. And they, uh, if you go to Amazon, you'll see um, it's now I just see got 31 reviews. And it's only been out for a few days. And it's running 4.4 out of 5, which isn't too bad. And uh, the other reviews are great, too. And you can find it... Uh, you'll see a tennis racket on the cover, and it's because it's a story of a guy, uh, a sort of retired screenwriter in his 70s, sort of autobiographical there, who's been playing tennis all his life as a weekend player, you know, just hobby. And um, he's finally, though, made it to the finals of the um, seniors tournament at his club. No big deal, but he's kind of excited. But uh, in the in the first game, his back goes out, something fierce. And he's rushed to Cedar sinai Medical Center. This is Los Angeles. And the doctor says, we've got to operate. This is terrible. But there's a woman from India or Nepal or somewhere in that region sweeping up in the corner. And she says, do not do operation. Always makes worse. Go see my cousin Gombo in Valley. He fix up. Of course, the guy's a Western guy, so he thinks, ah, <laughs> and he has the operation. But it, it, the woman from India or Nepal was right. It's a disaster, and he can hardly move. And he's on the brink of suicide. His life is over. He finally gets behind the wheel of his BMW. He can't see over the, the wheel anymore. And he's, he drives out to San Fernando Valley to a mini mall, and there he meets Gombo, who's an Ayurvedic doctor from the Himalayas, who starts to give him uh, pills and herbs and and teens from the Himalayas. And lo and behold, he starts to get younger and younger. And he goes back to his tennis club and all the ladies can't believe it. God, Dan, you're really, <laughs> that's kind of amazing. I mean, you just got up an operation and you're looking so good. And, and he can't believe it himself. It's almost unreal. He's almost embarrassed. He goes back to meet this guy. He says, are you Mephistopheles? Am I making some kind of deal with you? And he says, come on with me. And he does make a deal with him. And they go to the Himalayas. And they give him a new life, and he comes back as a 20-year-old tennis phenom. And he goes on to battle Nadal, 
at the at the at the French Open and beats Federer at Wimbledon and marries a beautiful girl, but everything is not as he wanted. Because like these stories, like Damn Yankees or Faust or any of these things about a second life, you don't find it's not so simple. And the more so, it's a very funny book. But at the end, it's not so funny, but it's sweet. And I'm not going to reveal more to you because your people should go read it. Everybody's loving it. I've never. I'm feeling very blessed because people think this book is terrific. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, I, I want to read it, and I'm sure many people want to read it. Uh, listening to the show, and and you know, I really want to ask you about a couple things. Um, you, you're you're a very popular columnist. You've written for some of the biggest papers, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, everything, and real clear politics. Tell us about that. It's pretty impressive. Well, uh, well it, two of them I can't write for anymore because we live in a very polarized society, as you know. So when I was on the left, when I was like in my 40s and up through my 40s, yeah, I wrote for the New York Times then and the Washington Post and the LA Times. <laughs> but uh they don't they don't welcome you. We live in a very weird place now. Uh, and they don't welcome you anymore unless you're politically agreed with them. That's why real clear politics of course is great. And they'll they'll take me any time. And the and the Wall Street Journal would too. But not not the other ones now. I mean, it's uh, for example, I've written. This is my thirteenth book. Right. The first ten or so I wrote, I was more or less a liberal. And every one of them got a good review in the New York Times. The last three books they won't even review. It's not a question of whether they they won't even give it a bad review. <laughs> it's like you don't exist. That's the culture Jesus. we're living in today. Uh, that's well, yeah, that's where is, we are. Now it, I, you know. Very- Go ahead. I just, you know, I'm not upset. I'm not, let's put it this way. I'm upset about that for everybody, but I don't want to see myself as a victim. I'm not. Right. I'm someone who, who, you know, I did what a writer is supposed to do, which is write what you think is true or your version of the truth. Okay. Well, I did that. and I couldn't have done anything else. And, you know, the society changed the way it's changed. So now I'm talking to you, and I'm, well, lots of conservative media folks are, are, you know, daily caller, interviewed me, and all these people. So, you know, it's not like I'm falling off the planet. It's just that right. there's a different, a whole different alignment going on. And what's going on is not good, really, in some ways, because back when I was younger, people were talking to each other. Now they don't really talk to each other. And you... And you, uh, you've written thirteen. I mean, you've done so much. You've written thirteen books. You've been nominated for an Academy Award. Um, pretty impressive. Tell us about that. Well, I was nominated for an Academy Award for adopting it. It was more or less an art film. Not too many of your people will have seen it, but if they did, they probably liked it. It was an adaptation of a novel by Isaac Bashevis Singer. Uh, it, it was a kind of a strange story about the Holocaust. It didn't take place during the Holocaust. It takes place in uh, 1949 in New York when uh, it's about a guy who was hiding out for the whole time and survived. And he goes back to New York and he marries the Gentile women that hit him. 
uh, thinking that his wife has died. And turns out his wife hadn't died. So, uh, I mean, it, it's a very interesting story in that it tells you what those events were really like. Because actually, that kind of thing happened. You know, and people you, would start I, a new life. It, it, they thought that the wife died at Auschwitz or something. And then, so they start a new life, and then the, the wife walks through the door. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's almost a comedy, but it's really tragic at the same time. Brilliant. Brilliant. I got to che- check it out because I do love film. And, you know, I'm reading here that you've shared the screen with Richard Pryor, Bette Midler, yeah. Woody Allen, many big people, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, some of them I liked and some of them I didn't, and some of them were crazy. <laughs> uh, the one I liked personally a lot was Richard Pryor. He was very, very – I mean, he was crazy, but he was a very nice guy. And not at all prejudice, zero. Not not like what you see today. Yeah, he seemed pretty down to earth. And, and what you know, what was you know your your whole experience in Hollywood like? I know you talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but I just want to ask you kind of in detail. What what was it like? Well, you know, it, it, it was good in the beginning. It was pretty exciting, and I was very young, and I wanted to do it. And I I went out from the East Coast after graduate school and uh, and I broke in pretty young and, were, and I had a great time but most of the time uh, it got more and more difficult as the year has changed and right. I changed so both things happened and I think I don't think Hollywood Hollywood back in the 70s was a really interesting place and fun place to work I don't think it would I, I don't regret not working there now because I think it's bad on a lot of reasons. The movies aren't as good to begin with. They're not interested in making great stuff. So, and a lot of it is just glorified computer games for kids. So it's not, it's not someplace that I miss now. I miss what it was, but I don't, I don't miss what it is. If you know the difference. Yeah, I hear you. No, I hear, I hear you. And, you know, know, I, I want. I mean, go ahead. I mean, I mean, a lot of, you know, I lost a lot of friends when I started to turn to the right. Yeah. No, I can, I can imagine. I mean, I, I know how that is because, you know, I, I've lived in um, Phoenix, Arizona for about seven years, and I love it down here. I, it's paradise. But I was, I'm originally from Seattle, so I grew up in a very liberal area. And, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can definitely understand being around that environment. Uh, you know, I was fortunate because my family raised me conservative, so I was one of the very few families uh, in Seattle that was actually a conservative. So it's very, very liberal dominant there, if you know what I mean, like Hollywood. Oh, I, I know Seattle well. I, and, uh, you know, I, I now live in Nashville. I left L.A. Love it. Yeah, and that's Republic, mostly Republican down there. Well, yeah, Nashville, the, the state is very Republican. The the city is a little more Democrat, but not as crazy as other places. It's sort of like it's, it's a, they're more like old style Democrats. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And how do you like it? How do you like living down there? Ch- different, right? Change of pace. Uh, yeah, no, I like it. It's except sometimes it's a little hot. <laughs> but aside from that, humid, like humid, hot, humid. Yeah. Wait, you know right now, I'm, I'm ready for fall. 
I love it. Me too, man. I'm in Arizona. You can imagine what I've been going through all summer. Um, yeah, I, I've been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> where about, are you in Phoenix I'm, or Tucson or where? I'm in Phoenix. Yeah, I'm in Phoenix. Yeah, it was it was like 104 here today. It's still pretty hot. Cooling um, <laughs> yeah. down a little, but not not much. You know, it, but it well, was bad here in summer. The highest, the highest it was here this summer was like 115. Think about what it was like when there was uh, no air conditioning. Oh, can you imagine, Jesus Christ? <laughs> I, I really want to ask you, Rock. Um, I really want to ask you about PJ Media. You founded that, and now it's one of the biggest conservative media outlets in the in the game. I mean, it's one of the biggest. You know, for conservatives especially, I see it everywhere. Uh, I know a lot of people that write write for it. Uh, tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very uh, good quality uh, media site. Well, you know, it it all happened a little bit by accident. Around 2003, I guess that's about. It. I had written this novel. I wrote these detective novels, and I, and the the publisher, Simon and Schuster. I could tell they didn't like it. They they were they were kind of weak on the book, you know. You could tell that sometimes mm-hmm. if you've been doing it for a while, and I had. And I, so I thought, well, I'm gonna have to promote this on my own. So I I've been reading Instapundit, you know, Glenn Reynolds' site, and I said, well, well, maybe I'll do that, you know. I'll start blog, you know, this news site, and it'll promote the book. Well, it, the book didn't do well, but the site did very well. And because I was talking a lot on there about political change and how a lot of people changed after 9-11, in those days there were a lot of people who agreed with me, but that that's a different matter. But then uh, I got to know all these other bloggers and then Glenn and various other people and the guys at Powerline, and, and we got together, and that's how we started the company. You know, that, um, In the midst of that, a lot of things happened, but that's what it was. And, it, and over the – originally – the idea was to have people on both sides of the political spectrum talking to each other uh, collegially. <laughs> that fell apart in about a year because the liberals all wanted more money than we were paying the conservatives. Yeah, and so, so, so you've had this going for how long? How long did I do it? Oh, no, we started about – we finally got together, PJ Media, Pajamas Media then, at around 05, and I, I was the, the – um, I was the CEO of it until 13, and now I'm the CEO emeritus, which means I don't have to do as much work. <laughs> I, I can just mostly just write, and, and people ask my opinion about something every other day, and I give them about five minutes of advice. That's – that's hard. <laughs> so, uh, no, because when I was when I was the, running the whole thing, that meant staying up every morning, every night till one in the morning, making sure all the articles were right and not, there weren't mistakes. And you know, got three, it's a pretty exhausting job. I can imagine. I, what were your hours like? Were you working about fourteen, sixteen hour days? For a while. For a while. Yeah, now I don't. I mean, now I'm a writer again, so you know, I, I get to go play tennis and do what I want. But but not. No, it was a tough. It was a period. 
I mean, it was exciting. We were doing it when we first started. In the beginning, we were doing things that no one else did. So that was very, very exciting. You know, then, then like everything else, it gets to be routine, and then you move on. <laughs> That's the process. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And where are you headquartered? Where Where is the company headquartered? Uh, well, it was in L.A. I mean, it's still in L.A., uh, except now it's now, you know, it, in the original days when we had PJTV and everything, that, then it was all in 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 what's in El Segundo, which is like part of Los Angeles. It's very near the airport. And now it's almost all done virtually. And a lot of these companies are virtual. I mean, there's no reason for an office, really. I mean. Unless you're doing videos, a lot of there's no you don't need it. I mean, you can just do it all on the internet, as you know, and just communicate. I mean, the the new editor in chief lives in Ohio. Wow. I'm in Nashville. Okay, there are people all people. There's a guy in Phoenix who does a lot of this stuff. Nice, very nice. How, how many federal, people are involved? With well, the it's it's nice, but it's it's nice. Financially, because you don't have to pay for offices, but it's it's I, I, you know it's, you also you lack the physical contact with people, and after a while you don't like that. Okay, I mean it's a it, it's a lot of businesses as you know work virtually now, and you know there's a plus and a minus. Right, right. Um, how many employees? How many people do you have working there now? I mean, well, people are there are four editors, and then there's a bunch of people who are writers who are are working on get paid for their writing on a piece basis. So that's that's how almost all these media companies work now. I mean, yeah. even even newspapers like the Epic Times, that's how they basically work. Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um. I was going to ask you. I, want, I also want to ask you. Uh, tell tell us tell us about uh, what are your what are some of the future projects you're working on? You got anything going on right now that you're working on? Yeah, I do, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but 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 I, but I will talk about it with you in about a month if you'd like to. The reason I'm not is it's we're, my wife and I are working on a, a very big new company. Not, I shouldn't say very big. A new company in the world of higher education, but we don't want to talk about it until, until you know, we're ready to be public. You know, because bad timing. You want you want to, to, to you don't you don't say things before you do it. Well, I hear, no, absolutely, no. I, I understand that. Um, so, and, um, and I'm. And I have not writing anything new yet after the goat, but I have a I'm playing with some ideas, and I'm not sure which one I'll do yet. Well, I'm looking forward to it because I I really do love your work, and um, you've done I mean you've done so much. You you've been you've been a man of many trades, and uh, <laughs> well, well you know I'm 75, so you know I've had a few years to do it. Listen, Rory, I'm going to have to get off because I have to write something for tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I was just going to let you go because we were, we were going to go to commercial. Uh, before you go, though, tell everybody how great of a tennis player you are because you, you're a pretty good player from my, <laughs> my understanding. Well, I'm a, 
I, you know, if you got, I'm about a four zero to four five player. You know, if you know the tennis ranking things, uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty good for a guy my age, but I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to go play against Federer this week or Nadal or Djokovic. They can, they, they can play with each other. Well, I, well, I, I play you. regularly. I, I think the great thing about tennis is it's a fantastic sport. Um, because I started playing when I was six or seven and yeah. I'm playing now and, uh, it's a fantastic thing for for fitness, and it gets you out to be with friends. So it's all good. It's, a, it's a, one of the one of the great sports to play because you can play it for a lifetime, and it's great exercise. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, please, sir, I'll let you go. Uh, please tell everybody where they can connect with you, social media wise, and all that good stuff, and buy your product. Well, social media, uh, I can't stand Facebook, but I'm on it. Uh, don't go. I will, if you write to me on Facebook, I'll never get it because I can't deal with it. I'm at Roger L. Simon on Twitter. I'm at PJ Media most of the time, and uh, and you can find the Goat on Amazon. Just look up the Goat, and you can buy it in Kindle. Or paperback or hardback, and in about I think about six weeks there'll be an audio book. There's a guy working on it. All right, sounds sounds good, my friend. We'll have you back soon. I definitely want you to come back when you got that education system all ready to go. Oh yeah, so we will we, we'll be wanting to come on then. I'll come on with my wife. Talk to you then. Sounds sounds good, my friend. We'll have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. All righty, everybody. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? 
Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Shatter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next N-E-X, Gen. G-E-N-U-S-A.com. Also remember, in about two, two to three weeks, I will be on terrestrial AM radio uh, across the nation, reaching millions of people. You'll be able to listen to me in the car in every state. So I cannot wait uh, to have this opportunity. It's a really big thing. Uh, also remember, in about a month and a half to two months, we will be releasing our brand-new 24-7 network, with many notable names doing their own shows, uh, my good friend America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Both of those guys will be the main faces of the network. So we're really, really excited. Uh, the network is raising a lot of money right now. We're going to do it all the right way and live to the, you know, have it live to the highest standard. We want to have this thing strongly succeed. So a lot to look forward to. I do want to welcome to the show. Very excited to have him here. Lobbyist, political consultant, and former senator Ted Hardy. Ted, welcome to the show. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And Senator Harvey, um, you had you had a very successful career. I, uh, you know, like everybody does when they first come on my show, I like to get a bio from you, kind of how it all started for you. You know, all the different roads you've been down. Your your successful resume, that good stuff. Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, it's divine intervention is how I describe it. I was uh, going to school, grad uh, college, and um, had the opportunity to be in the ROTC and tried to become a pilot and follow my father, who was a fighter pilot. And um, then, when I was had the opportunity to go to boot camp, right before that summer, I got. My bro- went to see my brother who was working in Washington D.C. He had been he ran the Reagan's campaign in 1984, and this was in 1987. 
and um, he had introduced me to all of his friends that had worked on the campaign all across the country, and they then had all of these pretty impressive positions in the administration and impacting public policy internationally and nationally, and I started talking to them, and I said, you know, this is a pretty cool way to serve your country. Um, and the more I talked to them, the more I thought, you know, I might want to do this more than I wanted to go fly jets. And one thing led to another, and I got offered a job to work in the Reagan White House. And it was one of those things in the road where you go one way and you go to boot camp, you go the other way and you go to the White House. And I chose to go work in the White House and never look back. And moved back to Colorado and got my master's degree and then um, got involved in politics and served in the Colorado State House for five years and served in the state Senate for eight years. And then when that was up, we started the Stop Hillary PAC. We started that PAC before she even got into the race, knowing that she would um, get in and knowing the Democrats would do everything they could to lie, cheat, and steal to make sure that she won the nomination so that she could be the first female president ever in the United States. And so the last thing we wanted was for her to ever step foot in the White House again. So we started the Stop Hillary Pack, and lo and behold, there was a lot of people out there that felt the same way as we did and didn't want her to be in the White House. And so um, our pack grow, grew to be one of the most influential PACs in the 2016 elections. And then when Trump got elected and we saw the Democrats having a national temper tantrum on the media and all across the country, um, we changed the name of our PAC to the Committee to Defend the President, and we've now become one of the largest pro-Trump PACs in the country and uh, fighting every day to get his allies elected across the country, like Dan Bishop in North, North Carolina last week and or earlier this week. And um, defending the president and fighting the left every single day in the, on radio and TV all across the country to uh, push back against the left because there's really nobody, no other organizations out there that's doing it. We're really the only organization that's doing it. So in a nutshell, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, it's very impressive. Obviously, you've done a lot. Uh, you know, tell, tell us. Tell, tell us about um, your time your time in the in the House and the Senate. Well, it was um, it was interesting because I'm in Colorado and our state at the time was a red state. We had a Republican governor, we had a Republican House, we had a Republican Senate, and over the 13 years that I was in the legislature, I saw the Democrats take complete control of all three. Um, of the both chambers and the governor's office, and um, we saw Colorado transform right before our eyes from being a pretty moderate, um, common sense Western state to being a radical California, Californicated state that um, people from from California are moving here every day and changing the uh, culture of Colorado pretty uh, sad thing to see yeah yeah and you know i we've had tom tancredo on here before and you know i know he was heavily involved as, as a republican in, in colorado for a very long time um yep and, uh, yeah he's a great guy i loved having him on here i could talk to him for hours and 
Um, what what? Let, let me ask you this. Um, what what do you see? Um, we were talking about the debates earlier tonight, the Democrat debates. Do you do you see any anything from their party being a threat in 2020? Uh, especially like if somebody like Elizabeth Warren gets the nominee and all these women come out and tax and, and vote. What, what, what do you think uh, about what's currently going on in, in the debates and just where the Democratic Party stands? Well, I, I've been saying for months now that Trump is winning every one of these debates. And yeah. I have been saying that the nominee of the Democrat Party has yet to announce their candidacy. I think in the end, the Democrat Party is going to look at the the um, list of whack jobs that are up there on the stage, and they're going to say, you know, that is not going to beat Donald Trump, not with his incredible economy. We can't put some whack job socialists up there against him. And I think you're going to see a a pro-business person, whether it's a male right. or a female – get into the race at the end that has a lot of money and has charisma and can speak to the moderate Democrats and moderate unaffiliateds out there and get their support. Because right now, if they put up this group of people, any one of them, the moderate Democrats and the moderate unaffiliated, you're going to look at that and they're going to say, that's not the Democrat party of my grandparents and parents. You know, that's not the JFK Democrat party. And we're not going to go there. And I think, yeah. and I think the party itself realizes that if they put up a socialist candidate like the ones that are there, Trump is going to right. run away with it. And I think somebody right. else is going to get in in the end. And do you think, you know, I mean, look at what they did in 2016. I mean, clearly, in a lot of ways, Bernie was more popular than Hillary from the Democrats' perspective. But they didn't want to give it to Bernie because he was so far left. So they, they wanted to have right. a more of a mo- more of a moderate candidate, which I guess Hillary was kind of a moderate, not our type of moderate, but she was. I mean, she wasn't a complete socialist. I can't stand her. You bet. But you bet. I, I feel like I feel like the same kind of thing is happening now, where they're just going to give it to Biden because he's more in the middle. What do you think? Um, I think that was their hope. But the, Demo- the, the, the base of the Democrat Party is so far to the left right now. That's why yeah. everybody's running to the left. They know they can't get elected unless they're you know, as extreme as you can possibly be. I mean the majority of the Democrat senators that are running supported a bill or, or um, co-sponsored but didn't vote for the new Green Deal. They voted against the, the bill to protect fully born children from being murdered um, once they were born. Um, the, 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 they are all supporting single-payer health care. They're all a bunch of socialists. I mean whack job leftist socialists and because they know they cannot win unless they get um, the, the, the radical left vote in the primary. Yeah, well, no, I agree. I agree, and and um, you know, explain to everybody um, 
what you're doing. I mean, you're doing a lot of activist stuff, aren't you, to help Trump in 2020? Aren't you doing a lot of stuff for Republican candidates? Well, like I said, we were in the North Carolina race. Our goal was to um, make sure that Dan Bishop's first name would be congressman, and uh, we spent a great deal of money on there. We ran a full-fledged campaign to make sure that he won that race. Um, we, we were on television. We were on the radio. We had paid walkers going door to door. We had um, social media big time, and um, we are doing that in any race across the country where the president has endorsed because we want to make sure that he has um, um, allies that will help him push through his agenda through the United States Congress. Because right now, as you know, Nancy Pelosi there, we're not getting that. And so we're doing everything we can to help him build up the ranks in, in the House. And But then we're also um, spending millions and millions of dollars reaching out to grassroots activists across the country to mobilize them and to get them activated and to raise money to uh, support the president and to defend the president in, against all of these Democrats and the media across the country in their effort to try to destroy the president and uh, line up a situation where he can't get elected in the next uh, next election in 2020. But um, I think the American people – are more impassioned to come to the defense of the president than anything I've ever seen before. And that is going to result in the Democrats cutting off their nose despite their face because I think they've gone too far. And here you see them now um, pushing just this week for impeachment. And they can't say what thing he's done illegal, which would constitute a reason to impeach him. Um, but they want to have some justification for why they should continue to investigate and look under every rock trying to find something that would justify why this president should be um, defeated in 2020 because they have nothing else to run on. They, they have no ideas. They have no policies. They have nothing to take to the American people to say this is why you should vote for us over the president. Other than the fact that they're a bunch of left-wing whack jobs, and they know they're going to lose unless they can find something to bring this president down, and they're not going to be able to do it. And that's why Trump's going to win again in 2020. Yeah, no, well, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, the one thing I really worry about, and I know it's occurred in your state, Colorado, is voter fraud. I mean, that, that's something that really needs to be tackled because it's no joke. I mean, the last election, I think we had a couple million votes with they went to democrats through for, through voter fraud i mean bet illegal dirty votes what do you i mean what, how, how do you think we can tackle this well yes there is voter fraud but the reason why the republican party loses elections is not because of the voter fraud that we see on the fringes of politics around the country the reason right. why we lose elections is because the republican party never fights back. They never run campaigns the way they should be run. They, they allow the Democrats to define the Republican candidate, to uh, beat the Republicans up 24-7 for, for a year or two out before the election, 
and defined who they are before they are able to introduce themselves to the public. And the, typically the Republicans fall into the fetal position and never fight back. What President Trump has taught, hopefully, Republicans across the country is that you never fall back. You always move forward. You always punch back. You always are on the aggressive end of the, of the fight. And you take it to the American people on the policies that you represent. And, and I'm sorry, but the American people believe in Republican, conservative, Judeo-Christian values, whether that yeah. is securing our borders and defending our country, whether that is defending life and saying that murder is murder, whether they are you know, in the third trimester or whether they're in the first trimester, um, they believe in constitution as the right to bear arms. They, they believe in freedom and the free market system and the capitalistic system. The American people believe in America and believe in American values, and Trump went out there and showed Republicans how to run campaigns. And, I, you know, will we have some voter fraud on the fringes? Sure. But can we say that's why we're going to lose elections um, moving forward? No, I don't believe that's the case. No, I, I very very good point. No, I, I hear I hear you, um, and you're absolutely right. And you know, I, I had I had Tom Tancredo on probably about a month ago, and we were talking about, you know, uh, part of what we were talking about. One of the things that came up was the legalization of marijuana. Um, and I know obviously your state is the is the first, and uh, it was the original uh, place where it started. And you know, we see how much money it's making the economy in so many of these states. And, you know, I, I really am a fan of, of legalizing it everywhere. Because think about all the money that Colorado's made on marijuana and how much we can put that money back into things that are needed, like infrastructure, our roads, different businesses, different things going wrong in our community. I mean, there's so many positives to it. And you know what I really – want to mention because i'm pro marijuana i'm I'm a, I'm a very conservative person i've always been a republican you know i live in arizona i've lived in arizona about seven years phoenix uh, i grew up in seattle though very liberal area but i was very fortunate i grew up in a very conservative family i was one of the very few and as you know my state of washington seattle uh seattle washington was well the state of washington was like the second place after colorado that legalized weed and you know, I, I really wish more conservatives took this stance, because I, and I think Trump really sees the value in it, because he's talked a couple times about, hey, I'm not opposed to it. You know, I would need to kind of review some stuff and see what we decide. I mean, Trump said he wants to look into it. What, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, obviously, alcohol kills people, and it's legalized, because they know the government knows they can make a ton of money on it, among other, among other reasons, but marijuana is much less harmful, and I'm just, you know, it, it's kind of upsetting that it was such a controlled substance for so long. I think it was, I think it's long overdue, you know what I mean, to federally legalize it. What are, you, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, one, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure I am with you on the fact that the states are raising a ton of money off of it. Are, are they raising some tax dollars off of it? Sure. Is it, does it outweigh the um, negative Consequences of, of marijuana, 
I'm not sure. Um, our homelessness rate in Colorado skyrocketed because we were the first state in the country. So every pothead in the country came to Colorado to be able to have legalized pot. And um, because of that, our um, homelessness, we, have, we literally have a crisis in Colorado because of the homelessness, because of the pot situation. Um, so the, the costs of homelessness um, far exceed, I believe, the tax dollars that we're having brought in. Um, I didn't vote for it. I'm, I'm pretty libertarian. I believe people should be able to do what they want with their own bodies. And, you know, if they want to be, you know, stoned uh, homeless people, then they can be that. Um, but I, I voted against it because I thought that having Colorado be the only state in the country that has legalized marijuana, all that's going to do is move the cartel from right. the Mexican border to Colorado and use Colorado as the hub to distribute their illegal illicit drugs around the country. Um, and lo and behold, that's exactly what has happened is the cartel has moved into Colorado and um, we are now reaping all of the negative consequences associated with that. Um, but another unintended consequence that none of us ever thought about um, was by law, our marijuana is a much higher quality than the marijuana that was coming up from Mexico, from the Mexican cartel, um, because we regulate marijuana and we regulate that it's pure. We regulate that it is good quality and that it's, mm-hmm. we're not having dangerous drugs put out on the streets. Well, mm-hmm. the drug, the, the marijuana is, better than Mexico's, so they're actually exporting pot from Colorado back down to Mexico. And those drug dealers don't go just one direction. So when they go down to Mexico and drop off the high-quality pot from Colorado, they're then getting heroin and bringing heroin back up. And we are having huge problems with heroin addiction in Colorado because of the the drug trade that's now going back and forth between Mexico and Colorado. So I don't think anybody would have ever guessed would have that kind of a negative consequence um, from having pot. But having said that, I agree. I would rather the whole country legalize pot because if I were a homeless pothead in Colorado in the wintertime, would I rather be in Colorado or would I rather be on the beaches of California? And so I'm hoping that we will, now that California has legalized, that um, we will um, start to have less of a homelessness problem and um, some people will be leaving Colorado that aren't contributing to our community. Um, And I think you're seeing that when you look at these streets of San Francisco and and places like that and, and, and the complete debauchery that's going on on the streets of San Francisco right now. I I would never go to San Francisco after looking at what's going on on the streets of San Francisco. Yeah. And and you're so right. Uh, You know, with the, with this, with the way these streets are with the homelessness, you know, I've talked about earlier in the show about, you know, I'm from Seattle originally. I've lived in Phoenix about seven years, but you know, I'm from Seattle and, 
you know, I haven't been back in a couple of years, but the last time I was there, I mean, there's tents everywhere, downtown Seattle, needles everywhere, feces. I mean, it's disgusting. It's third world. And, you know, I, I was making the comparison earlier in the show. I mean, you look at all these cities run by liberals, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Denver, they're all homeless. Huge homeless yep. epidemic. I mean, it, seem, it seems like it's a pattern, you know what I mean? You, you, you know? get what you encourage, and, and we encourage irresponsible behavior. And by our liberal Democrat public policy – and when you do that, you are going to reap the whirlwind from that. And um, the consequences are you are going to have people that cannot contribute to society and cannot take care of themselves. And um, when you subsidize that kind of antisocial behavior, you're only going to get more antisocial behavior. And that's what we're seeing in all of these um, liberal – Socialist, Democrat-run city. Yeah. Oh no, no, you're absolutely right. And you know, I want I want to also ask you, what what are the the gun control? Uh, si- si- what's the situation with gun control in Colorado right now? Because I know as of now, Colorado is pretty Democrat. So I mean, are they are they one of those states that's going crazy with the guns? Well, when the Democrats took control in 2013, they rammed through some of the most radical gun control legislation in the country. Um, we have a red flag law. We have uh, minimum, ma- uh, maximum magazine capacity. Um, we, you cannot lend a friend or family member a gun without getting a background check to make sure the individual's um, is allowed to have a gun. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. It's just, you know, the the, the most extreme gun control laws you can think of. Colorado's pretty much passed it. Jesus Christ! And, and that's anyway, coming. That's you know, coming like, to a country near you if these Democrats take control. Oh yeah, you know what? <laughs> It scares me, man. I don't, you know, this whole communism, you know, uh, philosophy and, and the way they go about things, these tactics, it's scary stuff, and it's nothing to take lightly. And, you know, I wish people would understand that, you know, this is real. I mean, these, these people are after us. They really are. And it's not even it, – politics is not a friendly – I mean, at one point in time, it was somewhat cordial. But, I mean, these days, it's nothing but hostility, and people are at each other's throats. I've never seen anger to this level or this kind of intensity. I mean, it's it's really bad. It's because think? the Democrats have lost control of the uh, judiciary. For the last 50 years, they have been able they, – they knew they couldn't pass their radical agenda through the legislative bodies of the of the country um, and through Congress because the democratically elected representatives were, were, would never support that because the people didn't support it. So they then took over the courts and pushed their radical agenda through the courts. But this is the first time in, in our lifetimes that they don't have control of the courts. The, the Trump is pushing, you know, he just fit, he just got uh, appointed his 150th, 
district court level judge. Um, And we've got control of the Supreme Court. So they know they can't push their radical agenda through the courts now, and they are manifesting before our very eyes because they've lost control. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and I, to to be honest with you, how crazy they've gone, I don't see them getting control for a very long time. I I really don't think that they can win an election fair. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how they, they recover. I don't know how they get themselves bounce, to bounce back. But, it, I mean, it, it, it's a whole new level of extreme. Yep, I agree. I agree. From, from your lips to God's ears, though, that they don't win another election. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, the, the Trump won by a whisker in enough states for him to win the last time. Um, I think he's going to win more states this time. But what will that look like in, in uh, 2024? I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and I was thinking about that. You know, what, what happens in 2024? What happens when Trump's gone after his second term? Do we have Don Jr. come in and take over? I don't know. I, I think that's a possibility, and I think Don Jr. is a very talented, smart guy, and a lot of people are very fascinated with the Trump family, and a lot of people would want to continue that legacy because it's it's perfect, and we all know Don Jr. would follow after his father. I don't think there'd be anything different because they're they're very much alike. And I I really think that's a strong option. I also like Dan Crenshaw. I like somebody like that. You know, I, I want the true conservative values. I, I want the Trump agenda to continue. I, we can't get a soft candidate in 2024. Uh, we need a Don Jr. We need a Dan Crenshaw. But what are your thoughts? Um, six years is a long way away. Um, who knows who's going to get in the race between now and then? Um, I, I my goal is to get us through 2020, and we'll see what happens after that. Well, no, I know that, but you know, I think we know. We both know. It's, I mean, Trump pretty much has it for 2020. I mean, I, just the, what the Democrats are saying, I mean, they have no logic. So I, I really think Trump is going to win big. Uh, I think we really need to be concerned about the future, though. I mean, obviously one step at a time. But I worry when Trump's done after his two terms, what happens next? Because if a Democrat gets in there, God help us. They're going to reverse everything. Yeah, but if, if we have um, six more years, we will we will probably have three more Supreme Court justices appointed, and we will have a ton more uh, district court judges appointed, and, right. and that really has the ability to impact this country for generations to come. And that's and he's going he is he is he's ripping the uh, regulatory you know, demon out by its roots um, all across the, the administration. So that's hard to put back in place because you have to have all right. the public hearings and everything to put that back in place. So right. I think we have six more years of, of a president that can make all these judicial appointments and do all the regulatory things um, and truly impact the way our immigration laws and policies are being implemented. That will have a significant impact for Decades and decades to come. 
You're absolutely right. And, and he's by far, I mean, if, if, we look, if we're talking about history and if people want to go back and look at each president's promises and policies and what they've done, I mean, in less than three years, Trump has fulfilled on nearly 80% of his promises. Most presidents after eight years don't even fulfill 10%. This guy is That's unbelievable. Right. He sleeps four hours a night, and he's back up like a robot working his ass off with his blood, sweat, and tears for us. And he never gives up. I've never seen anything like it. Have you? And he's 72 years old. I mean, yeah. I, I, I hope to God I have that kind of stamina when I'm 72 years old. He is yeah. he's a machine, and, and he's getting it done. God bless him for it. Hey, I hate to cut this short, but I've got to run. I've uh, yeah. I've got I got to catch an airplane first thing in the morning, Absolutely. and um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not packed and ready to go, so I'm going to have to call it quits. Well, we, we really love we, we we really love having you on, and I was just I was going to let you go in the next couple minutes because we have about five ten minutes five to ten minutes left in the show. So uh, please go tell everybody where they can connect with you and and give us some updates on any future things you're working on. You bet. Well, they can follow us on uh, online at committeetodefendthepresident.com, and yep. uh, they can follow us on Facebook, same, Committee to yep. Defend the President. We've got about 900,000 yep. followers on Facebook, and I yep. would yep. Tr- desperately try to get us to a million before the end of the year. And uh, they can follow us on Twitter at defend underscore Trump. Sounds good. Do you mind taking the questions from, like, two people on the line? Sure, sure. All right, sounds good. Um, Mike Peters, I'll go to you first, and then I'll go to Eddie. Mike Peters, go ahead, in New York. No, I just, again, I wanted to thank you. It was a great show tonight. Very, very interesting, Rory, and, and thank you very much for having me on. And I'm glad to be here. Just glad to be here. Look forward to the next show. Uh, absolutely. Uh, let's, go to, let's go to Eddie. Eddie, go ahead. Well, um, honestly, uh, we had a great show, despite the fact that <laughs> we had that clown show earlier about the Democratic debates. However, um, do keep in mind that, and I'm, I want to say it was two days ago, that on the bright side for conservatives, we actually gained two seats in the House. And I'm going to make this really quick, but that's our victory. But 2020, it's, we got to unify the GOP. Or we, or we lost it. That's that's the message that I have. But thank you, thank you for having me on, uh, Rory. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I really appreciate having you on, uh, Ted. It, it was really a pleasure, and I definitely want to have you back soon. Thank you. Well, thank absolutely. you, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate good night. it. All have right. a great night. God bless. Thank you. God bless. Bye bye. Wow, what a show tonight, everybody. Um, Eddie, tell everybody where they can connect with you. I know you got some social media. Yes, sir. Yes, so I have you – guys, you guys can go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook, you can find me on Eddie Frag. That's E-D-D-I-E-F-R-A-G. And you, will also, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm under the username – Geek Republican Texan 1997. And you guys can also follow me on Twitter as well. 
I have uh, 1,681 followers. So um, my goal right there is to reach probably like around 2,000, but the way Twitter and Facebook and all their censorship, uh, the way they're handling your censorship, I know it's hard, but we can push it through. So thank you very much, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Always a pleasure, Eddie. Absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, it's been quite the show tonight. I just want to kind of list off a few headlines. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. I named a lot of stuff earlier in the headlines. Oh, here, here's something I didn't mention earlier. The Supreme Court is allowing uh, parts of Trump's uh, asylum reform. So, you know, these are the problems with these judges. I mean, you know, I guess it's cool that the judge gave Trump partly permission to, to, uh, you know, put forth the asylum reform and and fix this trap. But but at the same time, I mean, we need to get more honest judges, honest judges and people that follow the law. I mean, this shouldn't even be a discussion. Trump shouldn't have to get struck down by this. Remember what I said the other day. He got struck down by this judge for the full asylum reform. And then, like yesterday or today, the judge said you can do half of it. You can't do all. Why, why do we have to compromise with these morons, these judges, that Obama and these Democrat radicals have put in there? I mean, this, this is America. This, this, I mean, we need to protect our people. We, we shouldn't have to compromise or give any sort of special treatment to these second-class citizens. Earn your way into this country. Be like everybody else. Wait in line. Do it the right way. We want you. We love you. But do it the right way. Like, come on. Like, these immigration, these judges have too much authority. They have too much power. They should not have this these sort of these decisions. I mean, these are ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, come on, people. Uh, a new poll came out, and over there, there's one in four Democrat voters that want to ban NRA membership. Again, we have these sheep from the left, these communist, you know, freeloaders that want they they they're trying to speak for us. They're trying to speak for law-abiding citizens. They're trying to tell us how to live our life. They're trying to, you know, their opinions. They think their opinions count. They think their opinions matter. Their opinions don't mean shit. Let's face the fact. They are ignorant. They are anti-American. They don't read the Constitution. These people are basically third-class citizens. They, They don't know anything about traditional and signature values in America. Who are they to comment about our gun rights? Who are they to say that they want to ban our NRA membership? None of their damn business. We have our rights. We have our, our, you know, our, our things we do as Americans. Mind your own business. Seriously. Let people live however they want to live. It's their right. You know what I mean? I mean, this, this shouldn't even be a question shouldn't even be a topic. These NRA memberships are what protects us. Think about it. 
If it wasn't for the NRA, there would be a lot of problems in America. It's the truth. Shall not infringe. One nation under God. God gave us the right of guns. Gave us the right to protect ourselves from a, a radical government. Come on. I mean, seriously. Um, let's see here. You know, California just keeps getting worse and worse. And it's, they put every radical policy forth you can think of. You know, it's banning plastic straws. It's giving illegal free health care. It's enabling the homeless population. It's taking away your guns. It's raising the taxes like crazy. Welfare, free schooling, everything communist you can think of. And now they, they signed a bill, Gavin Newsom, their wonderful governor, signed a bill that basically, well, that's not basically, it does, it prevents schools from taking disciplinary, disciplinary action on uh, students that misbehave. So they can't suspend them. They can't expel them. They, they, these teachers and, and faculty members have to go through misery and hell with, with people that don't follow. I mean, these students can go to school, act like animals, do all this crazy stuff, and nothing will happen to them. This is a lot of put in place. Look it up. California is now, in a lot of ways, I mean, they're, they're enabling people to go to school and act like medicine, do whatever the hell they want to do, don't have to go to class if they don't want to. I mean, there, there's no routine. There's no structure. There's no proper discipline. This is scary times. And think about this. Most states take after places like California. Because California is, is the, probably the most recognizable state in the union, and people take all their people take a lot, especially liberals. They take a lot of their political ideology from places like California. Think about it. The monkey see, monkey do. It really is. People mimic that state all the time on the left. Where it starts? There in New York. You know, it's sure. Really is true. We need to fix it. We need to fix it, you know, and it, things need to change. Um, political correctness needs to go. That's the last thing i got to talk about before we go. We're just about out of time, but political correctness needs to go. It's a cancer on our society. It is communism. I mean, think about it. You're, control, you're trying to control what other people say and what other people do and how other people act. You don't want to give people the freedom of thinking for themselves or acting for themselves. You want to control them. You want to punish them for what they say, even though it's their right. You want to put laws on mislabeling somebody's gender. You want to say how politically correct team mascots are. You want to you know, put all these different neutral, gender-neutral bathrooms in place. I mean, it never ends with you people. You want to tell stand-up comedians how to do their job. You don't want to let them be funny. You guys want to bitch and whine about every fucking thing. Excuse my language. 
But I mean, this is this is what this is where we are. This is this is where we are as society, and we really need to be attentive. We need to be aware because it's not a joke. It's not something to take lightly. They want to put us in jail for saying the wrong thing. Think about how scary that is. You mislabel somebody's gender. You call somebody a let, let's just say you, you call somebody a fag. They want to put they want to put you in jail for that. I I don't think that word is very nice, but at the same time you shouldn't go to jail for saying something like that. It's freedom of speech, even if you even if it's wrong to say it. So guys, wake up. Wake up. This is nothing to joke about. It's serious stuff. And it's going everywhere. It, it has to deal with all our tech platforms that they're censoring us on. They're censoring our livelihood because they simply disagree, and that's polit- that they're trying to be politically correct, and because they think we're offensive. Be very, very careful, everybody. All right, we are out of time. A lot of big shows planned for next week. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I hope it's productive. I hope it's goes accordingly. I want to thank all my audience, my sponsors, my guests and co-hosts. You are all incredible. Have a fantastic weekend. I love you all. I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. We'll see you. We'll see you Monday. Cheers.